Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Begging Boardcast, episode number 303. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. Wait a second. Is it 303? It is 303. Yeah. Oh, remember, remember when I asked Chris before oh, the show started? More Snape is Snape is 302. I'm sorry, guys. That's that's why I, I do the show notes when I actually do the episodes. Oh, wow. So then we come to you in three ways. The first being The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list. The comic book's coming out. I don't even know what date. I'm sorry. I, I screwed this up, June too, Paul. June 8th. June 8th. 2016. <laughs> <laughs> then we followed up with our weekly rotating main topic. This week, we're taking a look back at some of the books that came out in May. And uh, from over at Marvel Comics, we have Captain America number one, Civil War number zero, Civil War number one, Punisher number one, and from over at DC, we have DC Universe Rebirth number one. And, um, a lot of books to talk about. Yeah, and Civil War number one actually came out in June, but we figured we'd tag the two together, talk about them as one. Um, but uh, something we always talk about every show, right after we talk about what we do in the show... And right after I derail things, right away, because 303 episodes isn't quite r- enough for me to get the... We've had, we've had uh, like a successful 100-show run without us <laughs> screwing up in the opening, and yeah. uh, there you go, 303. Mm-hmm. There you uh, go. Chris, what are you having, bud? Uh, from over at Swamphead Brewery, Brewery, I can't speak today, sorry. I've, I've been sucking my house all day because it's too hot outside, and now I'm just drinking. Um, Swamphead Brewery. I have their dark water, a Floridian dark ale. Mm. It's quite similar to a black IPA. It's a little bit sweeter, but you still get that kind of toasted hop and the malt on the back end. Um, 6.8% ABV. I've got a big bottle of it. I'm looking forward to finishing this, though. Uh, That's kind of fun because it's usually a Cascadian dark ale and a Floridian dark ale. I like that. I enjoy that play on the name. They they call it part of their... uh, Spasmodic release. Hmm. So, now a little bit, a little bit of a bigger bottle. You've um, you've had a couple things from these guys before, right? Um, I have. I I enjoy them. Uh, they they're pretty, pretty decent brewery. Um, I don't think I would put them at the level of something like a Southern Tier or a Founders. Um, but if I see something from them. I'll check it out because I expect it to be pretty decent. I haven't been let down yet. So. They're like like a full sale. Yeah, they're they're. Uh, I think full sale has the price thing going for them. Mm-hmm. I Ma- put them more magic hat. More like a magic hat, yeah. Like everything is consistent. Um, nothing outlandish, great, but that's good. Their double IPA, the Florida Swamp Ape, is really good, but that would be like my go-to. I think we've had that. We had that when we were down there. Possibly, I think you guys did. Hmm. What we're having now, though, while we're not down there, is something that's very local to us, and this is uh, East Aurora, not very local as if we brew it in the basement, but it's uh, from East Aurora, New York, and this is 42 North, they're actually canning stuff now, uh, Creekside Session IPA, and this is a uh, session ale uh, brewed with El Dorado and Citra hops with just enough malt to add to a crispness on the back end. Uh, this is a very enjoyable session beer. Mm-hmm. It's not the best session beer. Um, Tall Boy can, so it's like 14 ounces. It's $9.99 for a 14 ounces. 16 ounces. It's like a 14 if you add two more. <laughs> um, 
you're so proud of yourself about it. <laughs> I am. Uh, it's, it's a nice drinking session. It's not the best session beer out there, but it is, uh, very enjoyable. Um, $9.99 or $9.49 for the four pack tall boy cans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm more inclined to buy this again than I would what we had the other day was the Woodcock Brothers. Yeah. Uh, the IPA uh, version six. Yeah. XPA. XPA. Yeah. And that was only a dollar more, but I'm, I'm okay buying this, that again. Um, so yeah, it's good. I mean, it's definitely, uh, all of our beers are all local beers. Mm-hmm. So if you don't live in Buffalo, uh, hey, Scott, Greg, you guys can enjoy these. Look for them. Um, everyone else, sorry. Yeah, maybe maybe get on uh, Beer Advocate or Beer Trader and you know trade somebody for them. But I don't think they're worth giving up too too much. Like if you have a local flavor, I don't know, like what Chris has. Yeah, you yeah. know, you would trade something like that for something like this. Don't go crazy. Don't you know? Don't go deep into your cellar for trades for these kind of things if yeah. you just want to try them. Unless uh, it's like us, we have like a three-year-old fat tire that should not be drunk. Yeah, because we were like, oh, yeah, <laughs> because we can't get fat tire out here. Now it's available, and I'm like, guys, we have one in the basement. I don't know why. should just get rid of that one. Yeah, probably should. We'll drink it. We might kill somebody if we yeah. drink it. We should do a not episode. It came from the <laughs> cellar. That'd be fun. We just, and also it came from the back of our, of the long box. We just grabbed a bad comic book that we still have for some reason. I don't know, like, uh, X Factor. And we just review that single issue on its own. No backstory, no, no, nothing whatsoever. And just like a beer that we've held on for too long. Just stuff that shows its age, like us. Yeah. Well, as I was getting back to the beer though, real quick. Uh, you know what I love about Canso? I can take them to parks. Yeah, because uh, most parks here in New York, you can't actually have glass. So uh, this Creekside might be a business partner when I uh, go out there and throw the old dis around when I disc golf. Mm. <laughs> if I ever get out there and actually do that ever again. Uh, yeah. Yep. So let's talk about some news. I have no way to segue that, so I'm just going to go right into the news. Mm. Uh, so this week we found out that Star Wars Rogue One was going to be going back into the editing room. Um, and they're going to be doing some reshoots as well. I think the entire cast is coming back for reshoots. And what, um, kind of what different people have said were, you know, executives weren't, were unhappy with it. But what they've come out to say was it's more in tone. It's a lot darker. And this movie concludes ten minutes before um, New Hope. New Hope. So they wanted to get more, a little more tonality to equal a New Hope. So they wanted to put a little more humor into it and kind of have just the tone of the movie match New Hope. Yeah. Which, but I understand that. But that's not what I'm coming to mm-hmm. see. I'm yeah. coming to see like. Super spy action Star Wars movie. Yeah, or like, you know, Seven Samurai, you know, like these people coming together mm-hmm. to do one thing. And like we've said since Sized the beginning. movie. What we said since the beginning is like everybody basically, they should all die by the end of it. <gasps> Did I tell you guys what I, I'm sorry, I'm awful today. I'm so sorry, everybody. 
Uh, Kate and I, we finally sat down and watched Jurassic World, and we had the most fun just whenever they would introduce a new character, just look at that character and then look at each other and be like, oh, he did. <laughs> just because we knew by the time the movie was over, that person would die. Like, as soon as that big guy that's, from the middle... every Jurassic Park. Yeah. But that was that's what I was having fun with. Like, I was just like, Kate would do it too. She's like, oh, she did. Oh, she's running through the jungle in high heels. Oh, he did. I would have loved like a romancing the stone moment where he takes those high heels and he cuts the heels off of them with a machete and then gives them back to her. <laughs> you like romancing the stone a little too much, though. I love romancing the stone. Michael Douglas. What's her name? Kathleen Turner. Kathleen. Danny Turner. DeVito. I don't anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was also stated, though, that reshoots are always in the plans for Rogue One. That's why this isn't really being too big of a deal. It's not, t- like, adding on to the budget. It's not extending out the date of when they're going to be completed by. It's not pushing back the in-theater date. Like, this is just something that was kind of always in the cards. But now that's happening, I think people are just freaking out about it. Especially when there's a whole oh, we got to fix the tone of the movie, comes out. Especially since we're now all nerds are uh, kind of heightened to that, that, I think, the word tone, because of uh, what DC is now doing with their cinematic, or supposedly doing with their cinematic universe, because they didn't, you know, after Superman, or Batman v Superman, they're like, oh, yeah, we got to rework the tone. We're going to do reshoots for Suicide Squad to make it more fun. And hit the fun button and redo the tone. So once that hits, I think everybody, it's it's now the new panic word. Yeah. Well, episode seven went back for reshoots as well. And that was <laughs> the highest grossing movie. Yeah, but nobody said, oh, it's because the tone. Well, didn't, it fit. didn't come out. You know, right. somebody leaked this that they were mm-hmm. going in to make news. Okay. So you guys. Yeah, that, this, is a, this is a case of someone saying something and then it becoming news. Okay. So I'm the only one with a raw nerve with tone, apparently. Yeah. I'm the only well, one nervous here? I'm not nervous about this, but I think there's definitely movies like, as soon as, like, Deadpool comes out, and then and then it's released, they're going back to add more humor into Suicide Squad. Then it feels like they weren't happy with the movie kind of a thing. No, I just thought this was, we have a very light news week, and it was something to talk about. Okay. We're all Star Wars fans. Chris, you nervous? No, not at all. All right. I feel better now that you guys aren't nervous. No, I think they know what they're doing with it, and pretty much every movie goes back to reshoot stuff. Mm -hmm. Whether it's just for, you know, quote-unquote tone, or cameos, adding more stuff into the story. Like, they're consistently working on the Star Wars universe now. Like, it's not like it was back in the 90s and 2000s where... They're going to come out in five years with, you know, Rogue One special edition. Like, they can do all this on the fly. Like, they can make these adjustments as they're going on because they are figuring out where the entire Star Wars universe is going. Like, every week we have new Star Wars comic books coming out. Every month we have new Star Wars novels. Every year we're going to be having a new Star Wars movie. As stuff gets expanded upon, they now have the ability to go in and add things to it, which I think is ultimately what the like the biggest thing about this is, and that's actually what makes it exciting and not scary. 
Uh, one thing that I th- did you guys see that uh, it's been spo- the surprise cameo has been spoiled for Ghostbusters? No. Do you guys do you guys want to spoil? No. Okay. Okay, then I won't spoil it. Did we talk about that as news beginning before the show? No. I forgot about it until right now. I asked several times, is that all the news you have? Yeah. And you talked about board games that bored me. <laughs> yeah. Seafall. Pre orders. Get it in. Get your metal coins. <laughs> Flathackgames.com. <laughs> Rob Davio. Rob Davio. Pandemic Legacy and Risk Legacy. The legacy guy. Legacy guy. All his own work. But uh do you want to do your take, little bit? Your take ha- your headphones off, and I will spoil it for Chris. Does Chris want to know? Chris, yeah, he, I, I don't care. It doesn't matter. If I take my, he- my headphones off, I'm in the same room with you. I'll still hear you. <laughs> Just what is it? Just say it. Bill Murray. Are you fucking kidding me? No. <laughs> what? You knew that was... No, but the guy had the biggest problem about doing a... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm upset about it. I'm pretty sure this was confirmed, like, a while ago that he had a cameo in the film. Yeah, well... Uh, as like a, as a, whatchamacallit? Because. Not as like a parapsychologist, but as like a, like denier. Mm-hmm. It yeah, because been... he doesn't play himself, his, the, Dr. Vakeman in it, because there is no Dr. Vakeman in that world. It would have been better if they came on to his TV show. Yeah. Paranormal, Paranormal World or whatever it was. That's, uh, second favorite show of mine. Uh, here we go. September 1st, 2015. Bill Murray has confirmed that he has filmed the oh. cameo for the upcoming Ghostbusters reboot. Okay. Well, then I read a bad news story online about how uh, when Dan Aykroyd came out to be like, no, everybody's excited about the film, all the past people, you know, to kind of counteract all the dislikes on YouTube, like the marketing, Sony marketing machine started up, and he's like, oh, Bill Murray's very excited to love the film, you know, I love the film, Bill Murray's who's in the film, loves it, and I'm like, oh, did he just ruin? Because that was a big thing in Zombieland. Like, oh, Bill Murray's in Zombieland. That's the best movie ever. Not as good as Whippet. Uh, no, that, it was a fun movie, and that was a, a great cameo. It was. So I was hoping that uh, this would have been as big of a surprise. But this guy hated. He didn't want to do another Ghostbusters movie. And here he is. But that's a cameo. him as a person. He doesn't like to do stuff that he doesn't want to do. Yeah. That's why he doesn't have an agent. He has a 1-800 number. <laughs> Does he? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. You have to call, and you leave a message describing what you want him to play. Uh-huh. And then if he likes the sound of it, he'll call you and ask for a script. Or just, like, call you, call you back and be like, okay, I'll be in it. Okay. That's how they got uh, Bill Murray for um, uh, the bowling movie, Kingpin. All right. They asked Woody Harrelson if they, he could call him. Why haven't we called him to see if he would be on the show? Oh, he probably would be. Uh, you have well, to, maybe I not. I don't know the number. We need a good pitch. <laughs> Got, uh, listeners, uh, if you want Bill Murray on the show, I think we should all call that 1-800 number and with your best pitch. And and we'll call. I wouldn't do that because it probably just annoy the hell out of him. Okay, well, you know what? Are you look, Are you Googling Bill oh, yeah, Murray? I'm going to Google this guy. You guys keep working. And, uh, well, I, the only I will... other real news we had was your Xbox news. Oh, Xbox is going to be uh, is getting a fifty dollars price <laughs> point Xbox reduction. Xbox is going to be cheaper. Yeah, and the news <laughs> pretty much fifty bucks cheaper, two ninety nine price point bundled with the game. Excited? Not excited? Everybody's kind of waiting for this uh, console generation to be over because everybody feels like it's a half step. I know I do. 
guys, do you do you guys care? I know John has a PlayStation Four, so and he doesn't play it. Uh Chris, <laughs> what? I play it. You play it? What play do you it? play? Witcher. He was all about the Witcher. Yeah, I talked all last summer about how great Witcher was. Yeah, all last summer. Do you still play it? Yeah, I, I, I DLC coming out this month for Witcher. Blood and uh, nope, that already came out. More. Okay, did you play through that one? Yeah. So, so wait, are you telling me your PlayStation Four is your Witcher machine? Yeah. <laughs> so you play Witcher? I call it my Witchy Woman. <laughs> your Witchy Woman. Oh. So other than the Witcher, what else do you play on PlayStation Four? Uh, I haven't got a new game yet. I'm. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Paul, but I'm getting married. Right. So if I came home with a new uh, PlayStation game. I wouldn't be getting married. All my money goes into beer for us, uh-huh. and uh, which is silly wedding. because we have all that stuff in the basement. You can drink that swamp head, and that swamp head, <laughs> that flat tire. But Paul, we just had released uh-huh. today uh, three local breweries coming together to release one of their flagship beers, and then working together to make a uh, fourth beer in this can series called ballpark series Mm. and uh we are first off starting with resurgence brewing companies cosmic truth a mosaic hopped session l oh but right now i got a phone number for all our listeners to call (laughs) it is uh 716-235-1450 and leave your voicemail for, for as your pitch for bill murray to come on to our show uh, it's actually our Google number, so you guys can listen. You can call it all you want uh, and leave voicemails because that's all it'll do is take voicemails. Uh, and if we really like it, maybe we'll send it on. We'll find Bill Murray's number on the internet and then send it on to him. I think that'll be fun. So seven one six two three five one four five zero because I'm crazy. You are crazy. Uh, Cosmic Truth. What is it? Cosmic Truth. This is a uh, mosaic hopped session ale, 4.3%. A soapy beer. That's what it is. It is uh, like grass clippings. Mm-hmm. I see. I get soap. I get grassy. Mm. It's like um, it's literally like you know how like we'd go to breweries and they give mm-hmm. us the the hot pellets and stuff. Yeah, so you're like rubbing your hand. You rub in your hand and you, and you smell it, it and you mm-hmm. really got like that intense taste. It's really intense, like mosaic. Yeah. Pellet hop kind of flavor to it. Yeah. This is what, like, Rinse they, and Dawn. they'd call, like, that a real dank, dankness to the beer. Mm. That real grassy. Wait, I thought dank was cool. Anyways. <laughs> um, is, it, is it decent, though? Like, it's not bad. It's drinkable. Uh, mm. I'm glad that I'm, you know, splitting this 16 ounce yeah. with Paul. I wouldn't want to drink a whole one of these. But it's not. It's not for me. It's not for my taste. It's not. It's not like disgusting. It's enjoyable, but it's very overpowering on the palate. I'm drinking it because it's cold and it's in front of me and it's hot. It is hot. I'm not drinking it because I enjoy the flavor. I would give the rest to John if it wasn't so hot. I can go get another one. <laughs> okay. Well, you guys said you. Had, like, no, we gotta drink them all, Paul. So. We gotta drink them all. So why don't we go into the list, Chris? Why don't you start talking about what book you want, and I'm going to go grab new beers. But you're not going to hear me be so excited about the writer. I heard all about Greg oh. Rucka. <laughs> Anyways, uh, my book is actually coming out from DC Comics, and this is uh, the heels of the DC Universe Rebirth number one book that we're going to be talking about later on in the episode. 
Because I'm looking forward to Aquaman Rebirth, number one. This is written by Dan Abnett with art by Oscar Jimenez. And we got a couple glimpses of some of these characters in DC Universe Rebirth, number one. And spoilers for later on in the show, uh, I'm really liking where I'm seeing the DC Universe heading. Um, especially after this past week where we got some of the other Rebirth number ones, like Superman, Green Arrow, Green Lanterns, Batman. Uh, I it, it feels like going home again, and I did enjoy Aquaman in the New 52. I was buying that book for a while when it was written by Jeff Johns uh, with Ivan Reese on the artwork. But I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to kind of checking out, dipping my toe into Aquaman season, uh... as I should say. I don't know why I didn't come to that conclusion earlier, but yeah. Uh, Chris, am I wrong to assume out of your out of uh, comic book couples, Mara and Aquaman, one of your favorites? Um, not really. Even though I have an Aquaman themed bathroom. Oh, see, maybe uh, that's why I was like, thinking that. Mara is one of the characters that I have on the wall there, just because she is a part of that lore. <laughs> I do like her as a character, but just because I was never a huge Aquaman fan, it's not like seeing Linda Park West come back mm-hmm. for a while. You know, it's uh, it's th- not at that level for me, but it, it's something it's something more for me than like Clark and Lois, I think. Okay, I just, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're like the comic book couple over at DC, but I'm just not a big Superman fan. Mm-hmm. I think I'm a bigger Aquaman fan. Chris, you know what you just did, right? You what? just set me up to still want to ask you to power rank comic book couples, but we won't. <laughs> Because we've they'll done have, it before. Have, we have not. We have two. We power ranked comic book couples. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, we did. talked like Rogue and Remy and uh, um, last uh, elongated man and his wife. And Sue, and didn't he? Ralph and Sue. Reed and this Sue. Like Reed and Sue. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is. I mean, years ago in your kitchen. Wow. We've done it though. We did it for. It was a Valentine's Day mm. episode. I Maybe mind revisiting it. We should revisit it five years later. <laughs> Seven years later. Well, too bad it's not February anymore. Yeah, yeah, we'll what get there. Book? What what book are you looking forward to loving? Oh, guys, guys, there's a uh, writer coming back to DC, and that writer writer's name is Greg Rucka, and uh, he's going to be writing Wonder Woman again. The guy that kill, had Wonder Woman kill Max Loyal Lord, and everybody was very upset that Wonder Woman would kill somebody. And Rucka's like, yeah, uh, she's a warrior. Some monsters you gotta put down. That is great. Kind of warrior. Uh, this is, and, and now he's coming back during this true vitriol internet age. And, uh, he's gonna be writing Wonder Woman again, and I'm very excited for Wonder Woman Rebirth number one. Uh, I loved the New 52 Wonder Woman. So I'm hoping that we still get some of that, but, uh, Greg Rucka's Wonder Woman was ever so much more the diplomat, ever so much more like working in the consulate, uh, more political, less war, you know, but still had the warrior like mentality. Like that's what I liked about his, uh, run. And that kind of got recaptured in the Brian Azzarello run, but much more heavily focused that warrior aspect. So I'm, I'm interested to see the balance that Greg brings back now that, uh, I think we've shown that readers are 100% behind a true warrior Wonder Woman. And I, I think that Greg does very well with not just the warrior, but also bringing in the mythology. Mm-hmm. It's not as mythologically based as the Brian Azzarello Cliff Chang arc was, but he, he still 
sets that in his sights and makes that more of a part of Wonder Woman than I think most other writers do. And most people focus on her like as the superhero, I think, mm-hmm. not so much like the demigoddess. And and is that why you're very excited about this book too? Because this was almost your pick as well. Uh, I I'm very much looking forward to this, and also because since this book's going to be that kind of weekly offering, oh, um, weekly. one book will be taking place in like current times, and then the next week's book will be taking place in the past. Oh, I might go on Comicsology like, and just subscribe right now because I don't I think, think is I'll an keep awesome up. way to tell Wonder Woman just have those stories kind of weave their way together. And it works too I'm, I'm having to it. having two different art you know, you're gonna have two different artists on the book, so it's gonna the one book is always gonna have the same feel, you know, going into the past and then going in you know, the present, having a different artist. I think that's gonna work really well for this book. And uh no, I I think I mean we're all excited because we all we've all enjoyed Wonder Woman books in the past, and this is one that we're like Okay, yeah, let's get behind this one. So, no, I'm excited for that. Uh, what else I'm excited for is going to be another Rebirth book, and that is going to be Flash Rebirth. Uh, this is going to be written by Joshua Williamson and art by Cameron D. And uh, I think uh, you'll hear us talk about Rebirth and everything that happened in that. And that's definitely leading me up to wanting to read this book. Uh, so stay tuned, listeners, and I'll talk more about how much I love The Flash. Yeah, love The Flash again, let's say. Yeah. And uh, that'll take us into our next beer, Paul. <laughs> because we got five. We got five beers Three down. Sessions all over. All right, here we go. This is Ballpark Series number two. We're drinking these out of order. Wait, no. These are all number two. They did this last year as well. Oh, okay. And this is, oh, the Frank by Community Beer Works. This is uh, an American parallel, and this is just nice. This is uh, with Centennial and uh, Zeoth hops, and it's boiled and, again, and dry hopping. Okay, so it's a a boiled hop and a dry hop? I don't get that at all. Explain. Uh, no, I'll talk about the beer. Okay. Um, I don't know if my palate's still a little off from Cosmic Truth, because mm-hmm. this is even tasting like a little weedy, like a little grassy to me. Um, mm-hmm. But Frank is a classic from Community Beer Works. They've been around for um, five years now. Um, this has been kind of their mainstream big beer from them. Um, always good. I'm glad to be able to get it in can, because uh, mm-hmm. they don't. Yeah, they don't bottle, they don't can. You have to go fill up a growler. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoy them. I, I kind of was planning on having a beer from them at my wedding, and uh still do. So, hey, the cheers Frank to Community Beer Works. The Frank I, I might be in, because it's uh, uh, 4.6. Yeah. I'm excited to come back to Buffalo, not just for your wedding, but also just to go to some of those places again. Yeah. I, uh, down in the village of Hamburg, if we uh, hang out with producer Scott, we probably could go there quite easily. Juicy Burger, they have a pretty good tap list. You know, all craft beers, uh, most, almost all local. And their chicken and waffle sandwich, guys. Uh, sign me up. Dirty Bird Food Truck, I had the best chicken and waffle sandwich. It was phenomenal for eight fifty. That's good. Loaded with fries. Mm-hmm. Bape, uh, bourbon maple glaze on it. Mm-hmm. Um... It was like a spicy batter chicken mm-hmm. and then really nice waffles. 
Like it was so big, you could like you had to like unhinge your jaw to get a a bite. Ooh! And that was just the chicken was that huge. But how was their tap list? Uh, I drank a ton of hay burner. Uh, <laughs> was that offered by Dirty Bird Food Truck? <laughs> no. Oh, but they were okay. four dollar four dollar glasses. Okay, then. that's not bad, Mister Cool Events Gore. <laughs> oh yeah, so cool in my events. Yeah, you're so cool at your events. Much like how cool our dramatic reading is. Yes. Yes. And now, I forgot. I thought at first I thought I was reading it, but no, I'm introducing it. And now, a dramatic reading from Trees, number one, page one, panel one. Ten years after. And that was a dramatic reading from Trees, number one, page one. Panel one. Is that a book we're going to have to read for Look Back next month? or No, it's an older book. Trees okay. is old. I don't remember you talking about that before. Uh, no, I had picked it up. It was on sale. They did it like a Garth Ennis sale. Is that cell phones attached, attached to a kite? You read the book. I didn't read the book. I just bought it. <laughs> when did I say I read it? When have I said that I read that book, Paul? He doesn't have money to buy new video games, but he can just buy comic books and not read them. And if people want to see the panel that we're talking about, uh, feel free to head on over to baggingboard.com and check out the show notes for this episode, number 303, because I, I think that is, but I don't know. John's Maybe just using the kites to deliver cigarettes? I'm not sure what that is. John's ready to just give me a whole ton of shit. <laughs> Hey, I love you, Paul. I love you, too, John. Uh, so why don't we talk about our first book in our monthly look back? Yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm waiting for comments all to open. Oh, well, why don't we talk about how Paul just buys and buys <laughs> games on Steam? <laughs> Never to play them. Ever. Know why? Because <laughs> that's great. It's great. That's what he does. <laughs> that's why I make fun of you. Because <laughs> you make fun of me. <laughs> what? Those aren't words. Paul went so high-pitched, you had to be in the room with him to hear him. He said, that's why I made fun of you, because you make fun of me. <laughs> Don't turn around, it's funny. High-pitched high murmuring, episode title. There it is. Go to comic books. Go to comic books, he says. Go to comic books, and let's. Um, our first book this month is coming out from Marvel Comics. And this is the much-discussed Captain America number one, written by Nick Spencer with art by Jesus Saiz. And we talked a little bit about this on episode number 302 in the uh, Week in Geek, because a lot of stuff was said about this book before some people got to read it, or, you know, said by people who didn't even read it. And it just became kind of a, uh, a headline that people got up in arms about. And, I mean, people were flipping mm-hmm. out about this. I mean, I mean, and even people who didn't read the story just kind of heard what the last panel is. Mm-hmm. And for someone who's a comic book reader, as we are, who's read these books, who we listed a Captain America book in our top five greatest comic book stories, mm-hmm. I was ready for, okay, you know, I didn't, I don't want to say that I necessarily loved the book, mm-hmm. but it's an interesting enough plot point that I, if I don't, finish collecting the issues, I'd pick up the trade to see what the storyline is. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, and this tells the story of a now de-aged Captain America. Um, once again, picking or de-aged Captain Steve Rogers picking up the mantle of Captain America again. Um, well, he, he was, has the other shield, but Falcon still is has the other has the round shield. Yep, they're they're both Captain Americas. They're both shields. Ca- yep. Uh, different people in the masks. Did you guys see that in? Um, I didn't notice in the com in this comic book, but in Civil War that the shields come apart and he has two shields on his hands. I no, that wasn't in this issue at all, and I did not notice that in Civil War. But let Chris describe the story a little bit more. Yes. Uh, but yeah, he was uh, de-aged by a sentient cosmic cube known as Kovic, and he's he's getting back into the game now. And while he's doing that, we get a little bit of his family history, which I think was a really cool little tweak to this book. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's only so much you can say about this book before you have to kind of start talking about what happens at the end of it. Mm-hmm. Because it's very much that setup issue. It's This could be anyone's first issue of Captain America if you have just that base knowledge of who he is and what he does. And it stands really well on its own. And I wish that this book hadn't been spoiled for me because yeah. it, it would have had more of that hook at the end that I'd be like, oh man, like I can't wait for number two now. I'm excited to read number two. I want to see where this book goes. But I kind of hate the fact that everything was shown to me before I, I got to get to it organically. Yeah, when Elise first walks onto the stage... And, you know, in the flashback parts of the book, what's her name? Is it an Elise or it's Elijah? Or it's E.L. something. Um, but anyways, when she first appears, she, it's all black and white, except for her red. And I'm like, oh, because she Hydra. Yeah. She Hydra. All the way because it's spoiled for me. So it's not like I don't get that reveal of that low of, like, here's a pamphlet. I'm like, oh. They're working it that he was, you know, Hydra the whole time because he was raised Hydra. But, uh, you know, that's what makes, that's going to make Captain America all the much better when, uh, it turns out that he's a double sleeper agent, double agent the whole time. Yeah. The, that um, he, he, his upbringing doesn't, uh, make him the man who he was raised to be, but he chooses the man he is. And that's the reset button that I'm going to say is Marvel has. I, th- I think we have a few options for reset buttons here. Hmm. Um, I know Marvel has come out and said, no, it's not mind control, even though his main villain has <laughs> telepathic powers now. That he stole from Professor X? Professor X, yes. Um, he-, he was brought back to his younger state by the sentient Cosmic Cube, which Cosmic Cubes can alter reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think they might have not a reset button so much, but a different way to kind of show how he's Hydra in the fact that we might just have a different version of Hydra. If you look at it right now, we have mm-hmm. two competing Hydras, one led by Baron Zemo, one red, uh, led by the Red Skull. And what if it's just gotten to a case where the head's been cut off the Hydra so many times that for everyone that's been regrown, there actually is one out there that's a, you know a little bit more moderate trying to make the world a better place, and maybe that's the one that Captain America's a part of. Oh, maybe so that's the one that, um, her name is like Elisa or Eliza, like you said, mm-hmm. 
Uh, maybe that's the one that they brought Cap's mom into back in the 20s, you know, whenever this happened. Yeah, because that was before World War II, obviously, because Cap was a kid. So uh, it's before Hydra had the Nazi roots, I guess. So um, it's more Upton Sinclair. Maybe Upton Sinclair is part of that Hydra. Who and, knows? And we love Upton Sinclair for jungle. Yeah, because it cleaned up the food industry, even though it was socialist propaganda. Propaganda. Uh, so maybe that's the Hydra, the muckraking. Hey, let's get the, let's uh, carry a big, let's uh, bust up these uh, big corporations kind of Hydra. I don't know. I, I feel dirty just talking about wanting to promote Hydra. I don't know why it is. Why They're is she, fictional. Why is Sharon Carter so old? Did I miss that? Um, she, I, I somehow she got aged. Okay. Yeah. I figured that was it, but I just like, she's mm. the girl from The Revenge on ABC. Because <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I know more about Captain America through the movies right now than I do from the comic books. Because, like we just said already. Red Skull has telepathic powers from Professor Xavier. It just, there's a living cosmic cube. It makes no sense to me anymore. It's it's jumped the rail so many times now. It's like me doing the episode 303. <laughs> it's like, it's not, there is no cohesion. Well, and for, for how much it's jumped the rails and like everything that, we're not aware of because we don't read those Captain America books. Like I said, this is still an accessible enough issue that you don't have to have that knowledge of all 70 years of Captain America history. But here's like, my point, Chris. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, like, you, you know who Captain America is. He's got a somewhat older girlfriend who works for S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, you don't need to know that she was young and then she got older. Like, you don't need to know that he was... But he is older than her still. Exactly. Like, you don't yeah. need to know that he's older than everybody still, but then he got younger, but then he got older, and now he's de-younged again. Like, that's all just side story, because what this ultimately comes down to is seeing Captain America doing Captain America stuff, while you have two opposing factions of Hydra trying to gain numbers, going about it in very different ways, which I think <laughs> is really cool. Yeah. Um... I, I like the Baron Zemo, like, getting the villains together on the rooftop. And they're all scrubs. And they're just they're like, we haven't even talked about getting paid yet. Like, what? I, ca I can't do this. That was the most expensive part of the book that other than, and here's my counterpoint to your points, Chris, mm -hmm. is you're saying you don't need to know all that, but this book revels in it, literally revels in that, like, crazy Captain America backstory, because they have three characters... Literally reveling in those kind of stories. Like, no, no, this is, uh, before he was a wolf. This was when he was wearing that stupid armor. And, ah, oh, yeah, I wish I hung out with Cap back then. And they're all talking about it as if we're all in on the joke. And, you know, this is an issue one. And, you know, maybe not everybody is in on the joke. And well, it definitely seemed to, to me, like, it definitely seems like Zemo is not in on Captain America being a, mm -hmm. a Hydra agent, right? You know, like he's in some okay. other, like like Chris said, like he is in some other playing field with Hydra, mm -hmm. and you know, like I, that Hal Hydra, he doesn't look happy about saying Hell Hydra, you mm -hmm. know, like he just is like yep. Hell Hydra, 
like that could just be something on a whim that he says, you know, like we don't yeah. know. And well, like it's something that, you know, people are spouting off going crazy about it, but it's an interesting story for Captain America. Mm-hmm. And that that's why this is happening. Exactly. And it's just kind of like, okay, like people are all up in arms, but it's like you're not even reading the book to be up in arms. And they're not going to be reading issue two anyways. Yeah, look, they didn't even read it, issue it, one. It mm-hmm. was announced that number one did sell out and it's going back for reprinting. So, hey, you know what? Congratulations, Marvel. Congratulations, Nick Spencer. Um, mm-hmm. You told a story that got people talking, and that's that's the most you can hope for in today's comic book medium get people excited and get out there to check it out but at some point i think as comic book fans you know that have been reading these characters for a while even though i just admitted that captain america is not one of those characters i have read and i my mind is blown every time i hear he's he was part wolfman and that we had like eight different types of captain eight different people be captain america at one point in time uh i i feel like comic book fans look at it and be like okay we just got osman uh, what's oh, darn it? Oz, Donny Osmond? No, not Donny Osmond. Oz. Can't can, can it be Donny Osmond though? No, uh, Osmond from uh, Watchmen, where you know we, we were all just played. You know, uh, you know he, he sets up this big fear factor and everything at the end of Watchmen, and it worked. It worked. Now all the countries are Adrian Osmondarius. 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 Thank you. You're welcome. And and sometimes I feel like the editors at Marvel are that are just you know playing us to get our money, and I don't think anybody wants to be played. Well, I don't think it's so much of them trying to play people as much as it is like, okay, how can we get people interested in reading this book? Like, what can we do that's going to make people want to pick up this issue versus everything else that's on the stands this week? And uh, yeah, you know what. We'd be buying this book and reading it anyways because it's a new Captain America number one. It uh, just so happened that it turned out to be like a huge cliffhanger issue. We were interested in it because it was Nick Spencer, oh. Captain America one, and we would have read, we would have read Captain America number one. We didn't likely. read it when it was Falcon. We one. didn't. Yeah, we didn't care though. Right, yeah, and and, and this one I, didn't. Honestly, but, go ahead. What I said when I picked this book for my. Um, pick for the list like two three weeks ago whenever it came mm-hmm. out was you know what i i love what nick spencer's been doing i i'm looking forward to this book based off of that and maybe this will get me reading you know captain america like starring sam wilson and it it will like i'm going to start picking up that book because i want to get every part of this story now whether it's involving steve or not like i i want to see what's happening in captain america and for all those people in up in arms about something that they ultimately are going to forget about because some kid fell into a gorilla thing. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know what? Marvel's got my money now. Yeah, all five ninety nine or four ninety nine of it or three ninety nine of it. Um, yes. are you 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 will be picking up issue two, Chris? I, I I will most definitely be picking up number two and then going back to the uh, the back issues for uh, Steve Wilson. Not Steve Wilson. Sam. Sam Wilson. Sorry, I was actually looking at the cover. It says <clears throat> Steve Rogers, Captain America. All right. I pawed that one. I hey. Hey, I don't like hey, it when you burp my name. You're Floridian Dark Ale, and we're on our fourth beer. 
Ooh, one more to go. One more to go. <laughs> All right. So next issue would be, oh, Civil War issue zero. Civil War number zero and Civil War two. Civil War two. Zero. zero. Yeah, issue uh, zero. Okay, okay. This is written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Olivier Copiel. So if you know those names, it's probably because you've read one of many other big Marvel crossover events that they have uh, handled together. But yeah, this one is very much all set up, introducing us to <laughs> who are going to be some of the bigger players for the upcoming Civil War. <laughs> and who's <crossover>. going to die? <laughs> uh, there, there was true. a couple of years where you know we had sworn off reading Brian Michael Bendis stuff uh-huh. uh, with his... X-Men writings, he kind of got me back. Um, but this is the kind of Bendis that, uh, that I like. Him writing characters, telling good stories. It's wordy, but it's not overly wordy. And it, a lot of the words are when uh, She-Hulk is in court. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes a little bit more sense there. But yeah, th- this set up the story that I wanted to read, and then I got number one. Yes. Um... I think this book works really well as a setup thing. You don't need to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of felt like the uh, um, War Machine oh. stuff didn't need to be in there at all. It was kind of just to remind you about uh, War Machine. Yeah, but the thing is, it's it's a setup to tear the rug out of you in issue one. Mm-hmm. Because, oh, this is the, they have big plans for this character. Here's the overarching story for War Machine. He's going to be relevant again. Here we go. Brian Michael Bendis is going to, you know, actually break the mold of the characters he actually likes and will write. And maybe we'll get a great War Machine story in, in this, in this Civil War. Maybe that's the breakout character. And then, and then, no. faction, it's like, nope. He's going to write the characters that he writes. Uh, and definitely, if you plan on reading these books, don't listen to us, because we're going to talk about yeah, everything that happens. Definitely read this. issue zero before you read issue one. But yeah, unlike Paul. Uh, um, no, like, I, I thought this, this is not easy for me to say. Uh, I really enjoyed the zero issue and issue one. Okay, good. Uh, I liked it a lot. I was signing up for the whole thing, and then the marveling of all the stories going through all the other books as well. And I know it's like, oh, no, if you want to read about this, pop over here. But it's like through 12 different books. But that's the thing with it. You don't have to. Thank you, Chris. I know, but sometimes you feel like you need to. You don't need to see how the Ultimates got their butts kicked by Thanos. Uh, He's no, I kinda, Thanos. I kind of want to see that. Then read that issue. Okay. But guess what? I didn't need a but whole issue. But issue's going to be like four or five ninety nine. Well, then yeah, don't then read you know it. What? Don't read it. I'm glad they didn't take the whole darn issue one, make this a 12-part miniseries, and make that one whole issue well, of me just being like, okay, this fight doesn't matter, you know? At what point does it, oh, last page, the fight now matters. No, yeah. I, I think they did a, I think they did a really good job. I think Bendis is doing, has been doing a really good mm-hmm. job with writing because he's not carrying half the Marvel Universe on his back, writing everything. And he's getting to the point. He is, yes. <laughs> it's not, it's not the Brian Michael Bendis where it's, Issue zero would have been the first three issues it's, because it's, we would have had the She-Hulk story 
and then the roadie story, yeah. and then, you know, because that easily could have been three oh, yeah. Brian Michael Bendis issues. Oh, yeah. It's not Brian, ben- Brian Michael Bendis of, like, 2000 to 2010. Yeah. Where just was... This is cool millennial Bendis, where he's the hip uncle. <laughs> he's a hip uncle writing hit books. Writing books. Uh, I, I, I think and, this does... Number zero does lend itself to number one because it does set the table. It lets you know where these characters are at, what their mind frames are heading into when the shit hits the fan. I, I definitely want you guys to really think about the She-Hulk because I don't want to talk about it now in issue zero because uh, of what happens in issue one and I want to talk about it then. Because right there, she's she has the rug pulled out from her. Saying that, oh, the jester, yeah, of course, of course he went to prison. You know, Maria Hill's just being so, like, you no, know, he was a villain. He's going to do it again. I know he's on parole and he didn't do anything now, but just but look. You can't in, hold him but look into the, for what he might do. Look into the future and you know he'll, he'll be bad again, so we're just going to lock him up. Yeah. Uh, uh, so in issue one, it leads me to, be like, okay, wait, what? What's her motivation? Uh, we'll talk about that. Yeah, um, I think you really it it does it showcases some of the big po- points. I loved seeing Doc Sampson. Mm-hmm. Haven't seen him in years. Mm-hmm. I love how they're like, oh, ba- you know, balancing being a superhero yeah. and a psychiatrist, dude. When it, you've been a superhero, <laughs> you haven't been a superhero in forever, man. Mm-hmm. Just quit it. Quit the act. Okay, you stopped us. You stopped a lady from going into the street. <laughs> like while the light was still red for her to walk, no, no, and no. a car went by. That does not make you a superhero. No, 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 no. He ran out of his office and been like, "Excuse me, Mary, uh, you forgot your sweater." Okay, bye. See you next week. Like, yeah, that's, that's the level a level super, superhero. That's a superhero that he's doing right now. It's uh, out, uh <laughs> Samson off the superhero. Uh, so oh, something sorry, I haven't up. been ca- I haven't been keeping up on the Inhuman stuff, mm-hmm. or what's been going on in the Marvel universe with this. So the ter- the Terrigen gas is just floating around, getting anybody. Yep, yep. Uh, hey, the clouds coming. Everybody, just stand out. Let's bask in this. Let's if you're a stupid college kid, gas. you do that. If you're yeah, exactly. Oh, I mean, that's fearful. That's what's happening? Yeah. If you're a fearful person, you get down into your Cuban Missile Crisis bunker and you lock yourself in. And, uh, but, you know. Uh, this definitely sets up and lets you know where Captain Marvel's coming from in this book. Uh, I thought the art in this book was great. I enjoyed mm-hmm. the art in one when we jump over to that to talk about that, but I enjoyed it. I have not enjoyed a Marvel mini summer blockbuster thing mm-hmm. like this. Uh, since we've started this podcast, I haven't enjoyed mm-hmm. single one. You didn't so, even enjoy Civil War number one. No, the original. No, yeah, I did, yeah it didn't grab me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the fact that Zero got me and mm-hmm. I was excited to flip mm-hmm. over and read uh, number one, um, it's good. And Chris, Zero left yes. you wanting number one. Yeah, you know what? I I picked up number zero. It, was at a little bit more of a premium because this is a Marvel crossover. I think it was like three ninety nine or four ninety nine. I don't remember mm-hmm. the price exactly. Uh, but I was going into zero, not wanting to be impressed, but ultimately just not wanting to be let down for spending that money on a zero issue. Mm-hmm. 
But what it really did was it sold me on wanting to check out Civil War 2, which it's the 10th anniversary of the original Civil War. We have Captain America Civil War in oh, movie old. theaters right now making a ton of money. Like All signs point to this just being one of those kind of multifaceted cash grabs on Marvel's part. But Zero was ultimately just a, a really good story that got me wanting to see what was happening with She-Hulk. Appreciating where Rhodey was coming in. Seeing Captain Marvel just be like, I'm so tired of this. Like, like, we're just putting out fires now. Like, how do we, how do we stop this? Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, it, it set the table so well. And, and she wouldn't feel that if she wasn't on every single team. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. And, you know, it's, I thought those panel, those pages with Doc Sampson and her was the most Brian and Michael Bendis. And it seems like almost a thought experiment that Brian Michael Bendis would do for himself to try to figure out where <laughs> his characters are. Oh, let's just have him being psychoanalyzed by Doc Sampson. Which, you know, when that first happened? Issue as X Factor. <laughs> I'm just saying. Back in That's the true. 90s. Boom, boom. I'm like doing this, like, dropping the mic kind of motif over here. And it's not a visual medium. I wasn't medium. even paying attention to you. Chris, John's not paying attention. Chris is over in Florida. He don't care. And oh, I'm like, yeah, I just... Blew your minds with that X Factor drop. Yeah, and because that was probably the last time that X Factor did something that mattered. Oh, see what I did there, Chris? I yeah. acknowledged your drop by going, "Oh, yeah, that's because I." Because it was drop. a good drop. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, there you go. Jim. You yeah. can't owe your own. You can't owe wait, your. Wait. You can't owe your own drop. I'm actually gonna do a mic drop. You don't do that normally just because you get drunk. You just cry each other. But yeah, that I have so You've done it more than I have in the last five years. The Civil War II number one. And here, I'm finally going to break it up. Here we get a uh, Inhuman that was introduced. Uh, I forget, what was his name? Invictus? No. Uh, uh, Ulysses. Ulysses. Uh, and this Inhuman can see the future. He actually lives through... Like a future, and then he kind of can backtrack during his visions to see what was the event that caused it, and that, see what date mm-hmm. is going on. Uh, so the Inhumans warn basically everybody in the Marvel universe that hey, the Celestial is going to show up on this date at this time, and it's going to mess everything up. So let's get prepared. So uh, we, we're at the very start of this issue. Uh, we see. Tony Stark leading, you know, basically some of the Avengers into this bat- battle against um, the Celestial and some of the younger Avengers too. It's uh, Nova, Miss Marvel, Miles Morales, Spider Man. So it's cool that it's like, hey, you guys are including everybody now. Cool. And then all of a sudden, the Sorcerer Supreme Squad shows up to really vanquish the foe. You know, they're everybody's. You know, the uh, Inhumans show up. It's like the big cavalcade. Of uh, Marvel's spectacular superheroes show to uh, do battle. It's basically every superhero. Mm-hmm. Uh, Except for the Fantastic Four. No, they don't exist. Yeah, Human Torch is there. Human Torch is there because of the Inhumans. <laughs> Human. Things yeah. is, uh, things. Thing is, like, in space. Yeah. Yeah, but. Anyways, and the Invisible Woman was, of course, there, but you couldn't see her. Um. And they're doing battle, and but that's not—that's just a MacGuffin to get everybody together. Yeah, led by Mrs. Thor. Uh, Captain America's shield. 
Oh, yeah, I, see, I didn't see that the first time. Just still looking. It's, it's like where's it's Waldo right now? Panel, like that you just it's right see, above like, oh, the hand. Everyone. Okay. Oh, right above the. That's not Deadpool. Oh, there it is. <laughs> it's not Deadpool. Deadpool's right above him. Uh, blades, because everybody's there. So it's big splash panel. So, but that's all the MacGuffin to to the story of oh, but how did the Inhumans know that this was going to happen? And uh, it turns out that Ulysses can see the future, like we just talked about. And Tony Stark is like, well, never let this kid tell anybody what's going to happen again, because that's a, that's, that's a obligation. Knowing the future is too big of an obligation, too much power for anybody to really handle. And he goes through the reasons why. Which I thought was a pretty good reason why. Except he says stuff like, I'm not going to get into a morality debate with you, Steve, and then starts leading his argument for his morality debate. I'm like, wait, didn't you just say you weren't going to do this? Well, he said with Steve, though. Oh, okay. So he was just going to have it with the room. Yeah, he, he wasn't going to, like, like half about well, it. Well, he's just know. saying, like, hey, you guys, you know, we shouldn't do this, I don't agree with this, and kind of leaves, you mm-hmm. know? Enjoy the party, everybody. Like, I, I don't know. This is one of, this is a time that you can, I, I think you can agree with, mm-hmm. with Iron Man. And it's a reasonable thing because mm-hmm. you can't just show up and do this. Things might need to outcome like this. It, it might be a bad thing if it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't, yeah, if the visions are 100% true all the time. Or if you're following somebody who then just says, this is the vision. Uh, go do this. Much like we got in the movie version of Wanted. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> With the, the loom of fate that was getting distorted by the, by the loomer. By the loomer, right, right. Um, but then you have Captain Marvel's side, which is, no, this is a way to put out the big fires before, while they're still smoldering. Like, if you see a fire about to break out, of course you douse it. You don't wait to sit around and watch it and then say, oh, it's actually a fire. Let's put it out now. And I think her argument is just as valid. And that's what, I mean, that's really what kind of makes the point Because it's this. philosophy 101. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's that kind of argument, I, I feel. So it's where nobody's right, but nobody else is wrong, so... And I think, that to me, this made more sense as a civil war with these characters than it did with the, the original. The Human Registration Act? Yeah. I think the I think they both work well. <laughs> um, but here, this is I want to bring up this, because uh, now that Captain Marvel says, no, this is... It's almost like spoilers for Captain America Civil War. When Spider-Man says to uh, Iron Man, hey... If you have a power and you don't use it and bad things happen, the blood's on your hands. Like, it's it's your fault. So Captain Mar- Marvel's like, yeah, well, I think she's taking that philosophy. So she hears about another crisis, another vision that uh, Ulysses has that involves Thanos. And she's going to put an end to it right now. You know, stop that from happening. She leads a team. And unfortunately, they went up against Thanos, which I... I you you got to bring everybody that was involved in the last fight with Cel- the Celestial. You bring into a fight against Thanos from everything I understand about the guy. 
But uh, she brings a small team in, and there's casualties. And it's Rhodes, and it's... Oh, I'm sorry, spoilers for the issue, but we've given... And She-Hulk. We gave the heads up. But this is... And here we are. Uh, She-Hulk is in a coma, they're not sure, and she comes out of her coma for the briefest of moments and whispers something to Carol. Fight for our future. Fight for the... You know, he's wrong. Fight for our future. Um, Which after reading issue zero is like a complete like whiplash brain teaser for me because it seems like, no, that's what just happened to Jester. Everybody was saying, was looking into his quote unquote, looking into his future that he was going to be a criminal again. And but they were guessing at that. They didn't know the future, but Tony Stark's whole thing is unless you're 100 minority report ish, where Mm -hmm. how can you hold someone accountable for a crime that they haven't yet committed? Right. So you would, because, because they haven't done anything wrong. So what, so I was thinking after re- reading issue zero that She-Hulk would be on Iron Man's side on this. Yeah. So why was she part of that team with Carol? And then why would then she double down on it while she's dying? And why would he kill She-Hulk? And I'm mad at you, Brian. You don't know that she's dead. You don't know. Well, it's comic book dead. So it's comic book, you know, it's as dead as they want it to be for as long as they want it to be. Uh, can I just say that the art by David Marquez, I love it. Yeah, it's okay. fantastic. I was kind of sad when I saw that it wasn't um, Olivier Copiel doing the art on this book, too, because I really enjoyed the Zero issue. But, yeah, this still stands out. Like, it, this art sings. Um, it, it pops. And the colorist did an amazing job. Um, five ninety nine for this book. I don't think... If issue two is five ninety nine, I'm... I'm fine with not reading this series. I, I agree. That's yeah. that's a little bit too much of a premium, especially when I'll be able to get the trade of all six or seven issues mm-hmm. for like fourteen ninety nine down the road. No, it'll be seventeen or more. That's still seventeen ninety nine. That's still the price of three of the issues. Like that's mm-hmm. yeah, that's not bad. Uh, but yeah, if they drop down to three, if they drop down to three ninety nine, I would. If nobody else did, I'd pick up the next couple issues yeah. if it still kept me. If it's four ninety nine, yeah, it's too much. If I didn't have anything else that I was buying that week, I'd pick it up. Man, we should start a Patreon <laughs> and make the levels level goal. Uh, buy us the uh, issue of uh, Civil War. And we'll talk about it. Start a Patreon just to be like, hey, Marvel, stop it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I enjoyed this book. Um, It's something I would like to read more of. I don't need to read all that side stuff, John. I don't think you need to worry about reading all 12 of those (laughs) side issues every single month. Because, I mean, we know that's how these books go. It's just how it happens. A couple things I'm afraid of, though, you know, other than She-Hulk being dead, dead. Uh, for a while, is that this is the storyline where they break Miss Marvel, you know, uh, the new work, the new character, because she's been a light, fun teenager character, and Marvel doesn't let those stick around for that long. <laughs> like what? Gravity was that like fun character, and then suddenly they kill them off, you know, think, and then he brings. I back think this is Bendis off. taking a look at that character and saying. We've made strides to make her a, stand a part up, of the universe. A part of the universe, somebody who stands up, who is always in everybody mm-hmm. else's corner. And the fact that she's on so many teams, this is where that person would not, be. Not Captain America, not Captain Marvel. I'm talking Miss Marvel. The, oh, Miss Marvel. I'm sorry. The the young teenage character. Yeah, honestly, uh, I think she's appearing 
in this because she's a member of, you know, some of the, like, the Avengers, like, the Ultimates teams. Like, she's present in the Marvel Universe, so they mm-hmm. have her there in the background. I think we've already seen, like, all the characters that are actually going to yeah. do I, things that matter. Right? I ho- all I'm saying is I hope they don't do to her what they did to Gravity back in the day, which was, you know, the teen character, the the kind of, like, happy-go-lucky character that then, then Marvel just, you know, kind of ruined, and then um, it went away. With how much, like, like they've received in the word of, like, accolades for Miss Marvel and just, like, how popular that book's been, I don't think okay. you can see that happen at all. I'm uh, a very nervous person this episode. Yeah. And it, I it, mean, same thing, like, Miles Morales, like, just with bringing him into, like, the Marvel Universe proper now, mm-hmm. and having him have his own book, and having him on the Ultimates, like, you're not going to see bad mm-hmm. things happen to him that are going to yeah. wreck who he is. You know, character. yeah, but I'm not worried about him, you know why? Because that's a Brian Michael Bendis character. And Brian Michael Bendis has his characters, and he'll just keep on spinning his wheels with them, and just keep on telling the stories, his stories with those characters. It's It's 14 tie-in books. 14 time books. And yeah. one of them is called, like, Choosing Sides. And here's where I'm a little, like... Hmm. Is it a coloring activity book? I don't know. But, it, like, it has Captain America behind Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. It's Steve Rogers' Captain America. Mm-hmm. Sam Wilson is behind Iron Man. But I think I think Steve Rogers would be behind Iron Man in this. I don't even know who Steve Rogers is anymore because <laughs> of Hail Hydra. I just don't. No, but you know this is something that is like Steve Rogers would be that guy that you can't judge a man before he's done yeah. what he's supposed you know what you think he's going to do, right? So no, he no, would I be agree. on Iron Man's side, like mm-hmm. that choosing sides book yeah, might be just him, like, and, and especially since you know in the cinematic universe he's like anybody that tries to stop a war before it breaks out, you know, it's usually the bad guy. Uh, you know, whatever. It's because, you know why? Because what you're forgetting is a key fact. That this book is called, what? Civil War 2. So they have to be on opposite Civil sides. Civil War 2. See, I think it would be better if they're on the same side. Yeah, but it's called Civil War <laughs> 2. But he's up against a different captain! Uh, I've been logging into so many accounts. So many accounts. All right. So what? A lot of a lot of switching. Chris, you're still excited about number two, just at the uh, price yeah, point. Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm looking forward to number two. I side with John. If it's like another five dollar or more book, I I don't know. It's going to depend on how busy that comic book week is. Mm-hmm. I I might not pick it up until later, but I, I do want to see where the story goes. Yeah. Uh the one thing that makes me afraid is last time that I read a Brian Michael Bendis led Marvel event, he even came. It was uh the Wanda No More Mutants kind of thing. So and then no Secret Wars. Oh my goodness, that was Hickman. No Secret Wars. Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion. And before that was uh, what was the thing before that with Wanda House of M? House of M. That yeah, that was the first one. You guys kept reading them, like even the the. All the stuff. Yeah, fear itself, Jesus. siege. See, fear itself is what finally broke me. But fear itself, though, was like fraction and some. Yeah, other Matt people. Fraction, and I'm like, oh, it's Matt Fraction. He'll do a good job, and that was just uh, awful. Uh, was Brian Michael Bendis on siege as well? Oh, jeez. No, uh, I think that was 
Hickman? No, not on Siege. Siege was Brian Maybe Michael. It was. it was Bendis because that last issue was the yeah. Oh yeah, the talking. The it's all wrapped up, and now we're looking back. News with report. giant word balloons, just yeah, everybody yeah, telling you what happened. And this is what I'm afraid of for for Brian and Michael Bendis is because he did the same thing in Secret Invasion, which is the oh the battle is now over, and now we're doing the news. This is Ben Ulrich telling us what happened. And during uh, House of M, he actually had he was at a Marvel retreat, and somebody had to remind him that Scarlet Witch was Magneto's daughter, and they were like, "Yeah, so what happens when Magneto shows up?" And he's like, "Jeff Loeb, that yeah, Jeff Loeb," because that was on a word balloon. It was, <laughs> and I was like, "You know what? Yeah, maybe." Maybe I'm not so happy with this guy because maybe he doesn't know how to end these ideas, and I'm a little afraid. I'm a little, I'm very nervous this episode, episode 303. I'm off the rails and I'm nervous. Off the off the rails and nervous. Yeah, so. And um, are we good? I think yeah, we're, we're good with this because yeah. uh, we have another beer to talk yes. about. Yeah, I can talk about the other beer. Uh, I hey. just realized as I went out to get the next beer that we hadn't talked about Hayburner. Uh, this is from Big Ditch, another local brewery. This is the number three coming out of their uh, Ballpark Series. Uh reason it's called the ball- Ballpark Series is all of these beers will be in our stadium uh, with our... Pilot Field. Pilot Field. It's not Pilot Field anymore. With the... Comerica uh, Park. It's not Coca-Cola? a... Coca-Cola? It's not Co- Comerica Park. It is Coca-Cola Field. Congratulations, Chris. I was going to get there. I've been in Buffalo in two years. Um, but with our uh, our Buffalo Bisons, uh, all these beers will be there. And uh, Big Ditches, one of their main beers is Hayburner, which is their Indian Pale Ale. Uh, I had this beer a week ago today mm-hmm. and fell absolutely head over heels in love with this IPA. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I haven't had this. Wait, wait a second. Just to go back to our not episode, would it crack your top five? Uh, I would probably, I would, I would bump out maybe Hop Stupid. Oh! And, and raise Hop, everything up. Hop Stupid's really good though. Raise everything up and put, uh, a burner in there. I'd, I'd have five. to have it again as my number five. I Hop love Stupid Hop Stupid. Is very good. Hop Stupid was number three and one of the biggest points. Is it's a great IPA, mm-hmm. uh, and the price point sells it. Price mm-hmm. point brings it up a few notches. The fact that this is lo- it's a local beer for us, and it's so good, mm-hmm. uh, it definitely would go on there. XPA did not rank. <laughs> XPA did not rank. No, um, but big ditch is. But big ditch. Uh, there it is. I'm just saying, listeners. Just the saying. canned version of Hayburner. Comes Looses. out a little boozy, mm-hmm. um, which is really interesting. Is I was just speaking to a big ditch rep today, okay, because they're planning on canning this summer. This was going to be one of their first kind of peaks mm-hmm. out there in the canning, and I was like, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Really like Hayburner, you know? Are we going to see that in July or August? And he said, maybe. Um, right now, we're trying to make sure. Quality level stays peak with these beers in cans, and we've been having trouble with it. Yeah, and you can tell here because I just had this hay burner on tap last night, and the big citrus pop is what sells hay burner for me, and it made me put that down as a four on the uh, big IPA. Paul and I both rated this a four 
Uh, four stars out yeah. of five. And uh, if I had this when we actually went to Big Ditch, I can't remember. I don't think we did. We had the like tea a lot thing. of drinking that day, and I don't remember everything that we had. Mm-hmm. And um, this one, it loses that big citrus pop. There's it's on the nose, though. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit of the citrus sweetness on it in the mid palate, but it, back palate, you just get that uh, resiny kind of stuff. It's 7%, and it comes out boozy. Mm-hmm. It comes out like it's a 10% beer. Yeah. Just that boozy kind of flavor to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really hoping that it was going to be awesome in can. Yeah. And I think all of these beers, I, resurgence aside, I'm not, everybody knows I'm not a huge resurgence fan. Um, Frank, I was a little let down by in yeah. can and Hayburner definitely a little let down by in can. So I'm glad to know that they aren't planning on releasing anything else until they've nailed it yeah. in their canning process. So far out of these, I'm, I would pick up the 42 North again in can and that's it. Yeah. And that's not, that's not from this four pack. Yeah. That was its own canning. Mm-hmm. Uh, another tall boy getting open. Chris. Yes. Did he have Hayburner? Um, I did not have Hayburner. I had like five other beers from them. That <laughs> wow. Not the Hayburner. Um, well, I, just, I just closed out of on tap. Let me bring that It's up. okay. Um, um, I had the Excavator, the Brown Ale. I had Low Bridge. Which the is their like Ale. session pal. Um, I'm sorry. Everybody down. I had the Deep Cut, the Imperial IPA, and then the Vanilla Oatmeal Stout. Mm. All very. Sorry, I had four. Those all sound good. Yeah, and uh, um, they're all pretty good. Well, we're talking about beers, Chris. Did you open that other beer? Are you still working on your Cascadian Dark? No, um, I'm I'm still working on my Cascadian Dark. The oh, other beer that I had was actually I've had it three times over the past week though, um, and this is the Kungaloosh that you can get at Animal Kingdom, um, the new restaurant that just opened up, Tiffins, and this is brewed by Conc- Concrete Beach Brewery out of. Miami, Florida. It's actually a brewery that's owned by Samuel Adams. Um, and this is like a nice, almost like seasonal spice ale. It's got a lot of cinnamon and cardamom in it, except you don't have to wait until fall to get it, which mm-hmm. makes me love it. Um, it's a beer that you can only get at Animal Kingdom. It's brewed especially for them. It's not something that you can get bottled or canned. You actually have to go to the new restaurant to, to try this. I think that's awesome. I'm a big fan of when breweries make beers for theme parks that you can only get there. Well, I was just going to say, do they do any other beers for the parks, or um, just this beer for this for this restaurant? So far, just this beer, um, which I really enjoy. Uh, Kungaloosh is actually a reference to an older um, Disney experience that closed back in the early 2000s. Um, the Adventurers Club over at what was then Downtown Disney. Uh, Kungaloosh was how you would greet people upon entering the Adventurers Club, which was kind of like a live theater event that you would take place in. Um, yeah, Kungaloosh, great uh, spiced ale. I really dig it. If you come down to Florida, try it. Uh, we will. <laughs> you should. Uh, and why don't we just talk about our last beer, Paul? How many books have we got? We have two more, but let's okay. just do I mean, we're talking about beers. Let's mm-hmm. just do it now. Okay. Oh, this is uh, the collaboration between Big Ditch and Resurgence. This is the shortstop. And Community Beer Works. And, oh, and Community Beer Works. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even see them up top. <laughs> all three. All three are coming together for this fourth beer. And this is the shortstop session, or uh, season. Uh, and this is good. This has got a sourness to it, just a little tiny bit. And it's got that, that season kind of. 
weedy or uh, hoppy kind of. This is something flavor. that I hope we can find in bars and not mm-hmm. just at the ball game. But if so you can, is, you might become a. This is part of that ballpark series too. Mm-hmm. Yes, I might become a baseball fan just for this uh, year. I was gonna say we should definitely meet up for games, Paul. Hey, <laughs> there's a Star Wars night a night at the uh, stadium. I'm fine just going to a baseball game. <laughs> yep. Why isn't the games aren't expensive? They no. aren't. I mean, I think you can like. I think you pay more for parking at like the ramp next door than you do for the actual game. I'm pretty sure if I show up with a can of Budweiser and hand it to them, they'll hand me a ticket. Oh, maybe. Uh, I will say this: the last time I was at a Bison's game, Robin Williams died. Wow! So who are you going to kill this time? <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> well, what? What you left it there? <sighs> you just plop that down on the table. <laughs> did. And what? What? What are we supposed to do? High pitch murmuring. <laughs> Go to comic books. <laughs> So our next book is another book from Marvel. This is a book that I was interested uh, because I enjoy the character. I enjoyed the uh, last version we got of this character with um, Edmondson, who is writing it. Uh-huh. And Becky Cloonan is writing The Punisher. How much uh, is this book, by the way? I think this was $3.99. Ugh. Uh, one of the things against this book, uh, I think, is the fact that it's not well written, and that Steve Dillon is back on this book. Steve Dillon being back in this book just makes it feel like an old story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've read him before when he was working with Garth Ennis, when Garth Ennis was doing this mm-hmm. book. Um, and even then, he didn't last too long on the book. Uh, but this is a book where you find that there's this new super drug that is going to be about to go on the market. EMC. Uh, thank you for remembering that. Maybe because you just read it before <laughs> we recorded. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, is it the FBI or DEA? DEA is watching is watching these drug dealers as the Punisher is watching. They're, pr- they're producing. The they're watching them produce a drug and following the trail for the drug production. And they're like, oh, maybe we went on left this go a little too long. And they're like, no, no, this is exactly what we wanted. Now we traced it all back to the face. Who's the second in command? I'm like, wait, what? Wait, now you're happy? You got into the second command to the command on this? Yeah, and the Steve and uh, the Punisher is there, like in the background, like also following the trail well that first that first page too is they show a guy and you're like oh that's the punisher no 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 that's the punisher is like captain from vietnam Mm -hmm. olaf uh this book just it's now a mercenary it feels old uh it says like parental advisory not for kids on the front Mm -hmm. which is kind of funny because all the swear words are just you know cash sign Mm -hmm. at you know and ampersand, you know, like mm-hmm. it's kind of goofy. And Paul did point out that uh, uh, uh don't ruin my cheat code. Do, do you want yet? <laughs> We're saving your cheat code. Shave my cheat code until Chris gives his opinion, because then Chris, I'm going to blow Chris's mind. I'm the Punisher fan in the group. I didn't enjoy this book. It, it wasn't as good as when he went to that one office complex and blew everything up with a rocket launcher. <laughs> like that was fun. Him eating at the diner was fun. Like this one yeah, is not the last Punisher um, like series that was coming out. Like, can't remember who was writing. It, it was like Declan Shovley, someone uh, I don't remember. 
No, it was uh, Nathan that, Edmondson. Nathan Edmondson. Okay, maybe Declan Shelley did the art or something. No, Mitch Gerard did the art. Okay, I don't know. Just pull up one of those panels for me that I read for you. Um, every This isn't a good comic book, let alone a good Punisher book. Mm-hmm. Um, when I saw Becky Cloonan was writing this book, that at least gave me some hope. I'm not the biggest fan of Steve Dillon artwork. Everything has everything he does has that just really rounded, flat look to it. Mm-hmm. And it looks like they try to fix that in the coloring, but that just makes things look more awkward. Doesn't it lo- make it look like the Punisher had a really bad dye job? Yeah, it's like his hair is just like that stark kind of black. Yeah, like just a really bad like it's shoe like, polish dye job. Yeah. Like the guy had just for men, but it didn't quite work, so he just went to shoe polish and just well, painted his hair black. If they gave him just a little bit more of a fade, it seems like they were trying to make him look like a Berthal from uh, Daredevil 2. It was I, I, just bad. That still wouldn't fix the look of the book. I I really did not enjoy this. He looked like a character out of Gears of War. Yeah, like just a you know no you know Unreal Tournament kind of character where they can't get the hair right, so they just make it buzz cut. And, and, and it's disappointing it too because looks weird. we know that Becky Cloonan can write good books. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything that she's done and self published is standout. It's great. But it's. I, this book just doesn't doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the Chico, by the way, everybody. All of those swear word like villains, instead of the actual swear word, use pussy because <laughs> they did it one time. Because they use like it's almost like the same. It's not like it's like the same. Like what would be the letter amount for every yeah. single swear? No, it's they only use like, the same one. It's like four or five of them, and they just keep using it over and over again. So I'm going to go do some dramatic readings real quick for you to show you how much fun this book can be. Because <laughs> here it is when I first noticed that this so would this be a great book. Been looking forward to you since we started, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, started recording. Okay. Since he, he made, he made me chuckle about it, actually it makes sense, and it is like where it belongs. My bro has impeccable taste in firearms, firearms and pussy. Uh, and then if we go ahead a little bit. Uh, Pussy me, it's Frank Castle, the Punisher. Uh, and then... He just keeps using pussy. <laughs> just keeps using pussy. He's gonna be pissed. This is Frank Pussy Castle. He's a pussy monster. It just, it just makes the book so much more fun. Every time they go to swear, just use that word instead of the swear Come word on, that man, actually hurry makes up sense. And dose that pussy. He's coming this way. <laughs> See? <laughs> See? Because dose could also be douse. <laughs> I don't need eyes. I smell out that piece of pussy and bite his neck. <laughs> so much more fun, right, Chris? I'm taking you out, pussy. Bite <laughs> all you want. That one worked. It's still not a better book. But, <laughs> but it is a little better. This is, like, the thing I really like... It's like Blood Code for Mortal Kombat 1. It doesn't mm. make it much better. Maybe two sugars. Pussy. <laughs> a little bit better. <laughs> Just a little bit better. Nathan Edmondson kind of captured, like, Frank Castle that I wanted Explicit to read. Tag. Which was, this is too small for the superheroes, too big for the cops. Mm-hmm. I'm the only one that can take care of this. Yeah. And I thought he did a great job with that. It took Punisher all around the freaking world, and then they pretty much said... You're not doing this anymore. Give us one last issue, and he killed the Punisher at the end of it, which was stupid. Uh, mm. So now we have this Frank Castle back, hitting up a drug bust, 
Yeah, exactly <laughs> what the cops are there to do. <laughs> yeah, like, and they're just about, enough to handle. They're about to do it, and Frank Castle like almost it, like he he blows it for them getting the cop. Yeah, yeah, he killed everybody, but mm-hmm. he could have been like he knew the cops what they were going to do. He mm-hmm. could have actually helped them do what they were supposed to be doing. You know, like mm-hmm. it you. When you get a Punisher book and it's more from Frank's side of things, and if you can make Frank likable like mm-hmm. Nathan Edmondson did, it's a good Punisher story. There's a reason for it. When it just make him a hulking, unkillable machine that has no personality or nothing, just mm-hmm. murder, 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 it's not as good. Right. In, you know, oh yeah, they call him the face. As soon as they call him the face, I just thought of the A team. <laughs> Me too. But then I'm like, get to the last panel, I'm like, oh, that's why they call him the face. Yeah, because he cuts people's faces off and then he nails them to a board and hangs them on his wall. Like butterflies. Like Wesley Snipes in Major League and Gloves. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, wait, I watch a completely <laughs> different Major League than you. Yeah, I would. <laughs> So that too, I was like, "What? Is that the director's cut? That's the R-rated director." That's cut. the that's the Superman versus Batman director. Superman versus Batman. Ultimate. I don't uh, know. I'm sitting with five beers in front of me. I had something. That now I lost my train of thought. Uh, yeah, Punisher, okay. such a letdown. And I've been not a Punisher fan before, so that that's not a surprise to me. Um, I did enjoy that last Punisher run that we had. Um, I didn't read a lot of it, but I did dig it. Yeah, you. I mean, Actually, you you read a good amount because it didn't last very long. Yeah. But every time, like we t- we would talk like before yeah, the good. show or something, you'd be like, "Hey, I read that Punisher. I liked it." Mm-hmm. The yeah, Punisher. Need- oh, sorry. No, it's okay. That was that was a good Punisher, and I'm surprised I did get something even close to that with Becky Cloonan writing. Because mm-hmm. I know what I was in for when I see Steve Dillon on art. Yeah. And it's it's not something that's going to put me more into the book. If anything, it's always going to be something that takes me away. And I'm just upset that Becky Cloonan wasn't enough to kind of counterbalance that and give me an okay Punisher book that I could just be like, oh, yeah, I read it. It was Punisher. Uh, the d- Punisher needs to be the boondock saints in the Marvel Universe. A little bit. He needs to, a, a better reason for yeah. doing what he's doing. And uh, well, I was, the Boondock Saints have no real good reason to do what they do other than, well, oh, they kill them and they grab their money and they're see, like, ah, I thought as well. I thought Boondock Saints was a horrible movie. And the people, sequel is even worse. People love too much. I yeah. do love. I like it. It's, I think it's fun. It's stupid. It did, is stupid. Did you see fun. the sequel? Yes. All the sequels. Day. Disgusting. It's so horrible. It's vomit-inducing <laughs> bad. I've only seen it the one time, and I was pretty drunk. <laughs> uh, Top of the morning. The thing that I was looking forward to with this book was one I enjoyed the last version of Punisher, but it was Becky Cloonan. Yeah, and. I've enjoyed a lot of the single issue kind of, you know, creator owned. Mm-hmm. She drew it. She did that. Um, she wrote it. She drew it. She produced it. And I was looking forward to something like that coming out mm-hmm. of this and giving Frank some type of reason. Did he want an emo Frank, though? No, I didn't want an emo Frank. Because but I, wanted... I, think, I think we probably would have had a better Punchbrook if she had done everything herself, though. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. even if this was the same story, but, like, she was drawing it, I think it would have worked a little bit more. But I don't all, think it would have, like, saved it, but... All those edited swear words were still her. You know? Like, and 
I have fun making fun of it. Not because of what it is. I have fun making fun of what it is. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. And I like I keep trying to think back to it's the Nathan Edmondson to see like, did he put swears in it? Like I don't remember reading it. Mm-hmm. You know, but at the same time it could have been there, but it wasn't like it's, in every other panel. I feel like it's trying to be so edgy that it's like kind of full of itself well, trying it's, to be it's edgy that, like and hey it's... we need somebody edgy to write punisher who do we know oh becky clunan's got tattoos let's put her on the book yeah and like it's i don't i don't know what's happened there but maybe it is a little bit of imposter syndrome where she overreached and overdid it like and and now i'm making fun of what it is what is on the page uh she's a she's very talented uh and this is just oh, we a love her we interviewed yeah. her we gushed at her we yeah. Like Becky Cloonan. That's why I picked this mm-hmm. I picked this book up because Becky Cloonan was writing it. Mm-hmm. I had gotten my fill of like a Punisher that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh we have not been getting our fill of the DCU that we wanted. But there is hope. Hope is always on the horizon. They cannot steal hope. They can steal ten years from us. Well, five years from us as readers, ten years from the DC universe, and try to steal hope. But uh Wally West will find it in the Speed Force. Wally West will warn us all. Wally West will find love again. And we will find love with the DC uni- Universe again. DC Universe Rebirth, the book that all three of us bought. <laughs> yeah. Because yes. nobody could wait until I got home from work. <laughs> like, we're, re- watch- we're reading it now. We're reading um, it now. This was something more. I We usually just will share our books. Uh, this was one of the books that we all wound up buying. And for me, it was more of a case of, I want to applaud DC for going this route more than anything. Like, I'm definitely one of those, hey, vote with your dollars kind of people, whether it's movies, video games, or comic books even. Like, if it's something that I want, like, I will support, I will gladly put down my $2.99, which is a great price for not just a DC comic book, but any comic book now. Yeah, it's so much easier to vote with your wallet when it's two ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, like the the biggest thing that causes me to jump off of books is just the the value of it. Hmm. And let's uh, let's get into this book a little bit. This is uh, Wally West has been trapped in the Speed Force apparently ever since Flashpoint, and he's been witnessing things. And he just came back to like uh, almost Yoda ghost form, like within the Speed Force, and he's he's, he's gotten something. to a point. Yeah, he's he's been living in the speed force but it almost seems like he's gotten to the point where he can find the brakes to get out mm-hmm. and f- find his way out to certain people to be like hey we need to see i took it that he finally condensed if that's the right word in the speed force enough and now that he's watched it for a little while he's like oh i now that i've been part of the speed force i know what's coming i know what happened you know, it's like like that quantum kind of break where I've know I've known the past and I know in the future and I've known what was and what could have been all at once and I see where that broke and now I'm going to warn everybody. Tiebreaker, Chris. What do you think? Um, I I think it was more just Eek. he's able to like break through now. Ah, not so much knowing so like when and where, but he's just. He's running through and like he's finding those gaps that he can get in. Wait, he just 
came together enough so he can do that, or that he's finally found those gaps? Because that's the argument between John and I. Sorry, I was I was typing up show notes. Um, <laughs> can you present me with those again? Oh, Paul went forever. My my point was is at this point he's been in he's been in the speed force he's gotten to see everything that's been happening and at this point he's been able to kind of bring himself to break through he's strong enough to kind of break through to get to the people who may be able to save him yes that one okay because it, like the whole time he's doing it like it's tearing him apart mm-hmm. And he's going in and trying to find those connections, the strong connections, so he can warn people that something bigger is coming. Uh, something, in the Flashpoint didn't actually converge to timelines as it should have been. It, it, there was some other force that, that interrupted things and stole 10 years from the DC Universe. And what they stole out of the DC Universe was this one thing I was worried about, which was love. The, all the relationships. So we didn't have anybody that was married, except for the book that I really liked, which was Animal Man. <laughs> you know? Right. The only married superhero in the DC knew you. Um, and from there, and that's the whole, like, kind of thing of it. And it is the, it's the beautiful thing that DC is able to do so well here, is introduce you to a character that's struggling, that wants to warn everybody. Uh, it's almost the exact opposite of Countdown to Infinite Crisis, the Blue Beetle 80-page 80, 80 special, which is Blue Beetle figures out something, wants to warn everybody that Maxwell Lord is evil. and uh, Or Brother it's the opposite of Countdown to Infinite Earths, where yeah, Barry's warning everybody and then dies, where this one, he's trying to warn everyone, but and then comes lives. Back. Yeah, but the same, yeah, same thing. But- yeah. He goes, Barry Allen goes into the Speed Force, and Wally West is coming out. But I'm saying that this is an introduction to the character we haven't seen in a while, which, like, Blue Beetle was the introduction yeah. to the character. Like, I get you. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step over that. No, no, no. That's, that was a very good and valid point, and I think that's more what they were going for. But just the pacing of this issue, just, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is the redoing of Countdown. To Infinite Crisis, I know. Well, it's a, yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a double page rebirth issue to reset the universe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's good. Like, as I was reading it, I was like, oh, this is, this is what I want. It's telling me exactly everything that I know has been missing. Mm-hmm. And they're telling me that they know that it's been missing mm-hmm. and kind of like, don't worry. It's, we're bringing it back. And I was very excited while reading this book. It's like the waitress coming to your table and be like, uh, is there anything wrong? And you raise your finger and she's like, the chef forgot to add salt again, didn't he? And like taking the plate back and being like, we'll be right back with it. We'll it's fix that, this. it's that the waitress coming back up and like, I noticed you, you asked for blue cheese. You didn't have it, but look what's behind my back. The blue cheese for you. Oh, there you go. Yeah, know. the entire time I read this book, I think I had a smile on my face. <laughs> and, like, that sounds so cheesy, and it definitely is, but it felt nice being acknowledged that what we loved about the DC Universe, they were acknowledging the fact that, yeah, it hasn't been there. Like, we are, we are doing what we need to to bring it back. And yeah. seeing all of these characters interacting with a character that they don't remember, who happens to be one of my favorite characters with Wally West, it 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 mattered. It it was 
only how I can imagine people felt reading Crisis on Infinite Earths with Barry, like, weaving in and out of time. Can I ask the question, because I've been so far out of mm-hmm. DC. Right. Right ahead. Has there been a Blue Beetle and Blue Beetle book that I've been missing? Just in yeah, convergence. Uh, when, the, when the New 52 launched, there was a Blue Beetle book. It was part of, like, the like the Teen Titans family of stuff. But it wasn't Ted Cord and yeah, it wasn't Jamie. It was just Jamie. But there is a Blue Beetle, Blue Beetle book coming out of this, right? Because yes. I want that so bad. I love the Ted Cord in this book. I really like the uh, Adam and Adam. Me too. That yeah. uh, Cho and... Uh, yeah. And Ray Palmer. You know why? Legacy. <laughs> All the legacy stuff. And ta- handing out the legacy. All worked. Um, Jeff Johns, uh, did we talk about the artist and, uh, and, and writer of this book? Uh, uh, I don't know. You introduced it. I don't think so. Though. I don't know. But I, I thought Paul, to give, Paul introduced I it. I tried to give the story background, but no, uh, written by Jeff Johns, who did Infinite Crisis. And, uh, um, several artists. I'm trying, to find, I'm trying to find the page that says the artist here. I'm sorry. Uh, it is Gary Frank, Phil Jimenez, and Ethan Van Skyburner. Oh, wow. Well, that makes sense. All of that have worked with Jeff Johns in the past. And I love Jeff Johns and Gary Frank's uh, Superman run. Um, but this, it, it takes all those little sections of the DCU that we've been complaining about and saying that mm-hmm. we've missed and saying that they're going to write that. The only thing that I thought was interesting and a little out there was... Scary? Nervous? The tie-in with the Watchmen. Oh, see, I got a theory about that. <laughs> Chris, anything that in this book that makes you nervous? Um, no, not so much. I think they've learned some lessons over the past couple of years. They know what people like. They know how to tell a little bit more updated story now. Um, they can delve into the characters' past and have things matter. Uh, that part with Barry and Wally, where Wally's like, come on, just, if anyone's gonna remember me, it's you. Does that make... Okay, it's, thank you for everything. Mm -hmm. That moment, I was just like, oh god, Barry, just, just do it, just remember him. And I haven't been a Barry Allen fan ever. I haven't been reading The Flash, Mm -hmm. like, that book just doesn't speak to me, but, you put Wally in a book, and you have my attention, and, and I'm glad, like, that was what, was kinda like the catalyst for, for the rebirth now. Did Paul, he, Paul did, is looking at me smiling, and I was smiling, and we're just both waiting to say what we have to say about the same, pa- the uh, same that's that page. I was like, oh my goodness, this is like one of my favorite Doctor Who episodes, like with Matt Smith, when A.B. Pond finally remembers the Doctor. Mm-hmm. I remember you. You think you were clever, hiding yourself in words. Like, you knew I would remember you. Yeah, that, I'm like, that's, that's that moment. And they tied it in so well to the Flash. And yeah. I'm like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's Wally who I love in the comic books, and then Barry who I love in the TV show. Yeah, and it's yeah. like the two of them meeting, and just like oh, yeah, and just that oh, no, you can't you can't let Wally go. I love him so much. <laughs> oh, you brought him back. Got him. And the tears in his eyes, and how could I have forgotten you, Wally? And I'm like, yes, how could you have forgotten Wally? And uh, not for nothing, I really enjoyed how they tied in. The Wally West that was previously in the books, and they're not taking away from that character. Mm-hmm. No. They're leaving that character there, which 
Yeah. I'm, Who's I'm, in the TV show, right? Like, I haven't seen season two. Yeah. But yeah. that's Joe's other kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that made me nervous in this is that they show Wally West's kids. And every time I see those kids, I'm just Doc Brown. <laughs> like, in Back to the Future well, 2. Because it's a young... It's your kids, Marty! We gotta do something about your kids, Wally! It's a young... It's, it's, Wally came back as a younger Wally. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which I, okay. And it's, I keep wanting, I keep wanting to say Iris. Uh, but it's Linda. Linda. Linda it's, it's Linda is a younger. Was horrible on the television show, by the way. Yeah, I, I wish they did more with Linda. They might when Wally is introduced, right? Just say yes, Chris. I haven't seen season two. Sure. Paul, Give me hope. Sure. Oh, sure, good. I'm do. so glad I get to see Linda again. They have uh, superpowered babies. She waits. <laughs> uh, so the thing that I said I was worried about was that was the don't spoil it for me. Was the was the Watchmen stuff? Did that? Not that it bothered you. Did it? The Watchmen thing, I think, is that is that thing that infected the DCU to yeah, in that, the new DCU. That's it is it is Batman like. Oh, here, here's the infection. Like, this is a symptom of the infection. This is us going too dark. This is us trying to be post-post-watchmen. And we need to get past this. We need to get past what the Watchmen was for the DC universe, you know, for comic books. And we just need to tell our stories. That's what I'm hoping Rebirth is all about. Versus... Uh, I, I agree. I think it's... It's going to not just take a look at the stories, but also just the tone, the general tone. <laughs> ah, panic button, uh, panic button! I'm worried. You love that yelling. <laughs> That's what it's been. And how how else can you show that? But literally, the book that changed comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Alan Moore said when he uh, did. You know, Watchmen, he said, oh, everybody kind of followed me into the dark. And then when he did uh, American's Best Comics, what was that called? Uh, he was hoping League everybody... League of Extraordinary Gentlemen? No. After that. Uh, Arm? Tom Strong? Ar- Tom Strong and, yeah, that whole thing. Tara, Tara, whatever, whatever her name was. Promethea? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he was hoping that they would follow him back into the light. Especially with Tom Strong. Because that was just Golden Age kind of silliness. Doc, Doc, I want to say Doc Sampson, but um, Doc, what's his name? It doesn't matter because it's Alan Moore. Honestly, like, and it's sad to say, like, it doesn't matter, but that's not stuff that people responded to. Mm -hmm. You you set the tone, you know. You you lay down that beat, and then everyone wrote the music around it at that point. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, we get DC really kind of figuring out who they are and not. Trying to be anybody else. Just let your characters have the legacy. You, you are the legacy brand. Just, you are the old school look. Own that logo. This is that I, old school logo. With that this, is awesome, guys. Coming, like I'm coming sorry. out. I know. I'm going to disagree with you on that, but go ahead, Sean. Coming out of this book, it makes me so excited for just about everything coming out of this mm-hmm. rebirth. And I mean, there's a few books that just, they're just not for me. They're just not like, you know, yeah. the, the Suicide Squad, as much as I enjoy stuff like that, I haven't been a fan. I'm fine with 
letting that book be. But even like the action comics that's with like Luke Luther in the power suit, like, damn, okay, I want I want to read just about everything coming out of this. You know what? That's Luther in the power suit's missing. Paul Cornell. <laughs> <laughs> you know it. Because he's the last one that had action comics with Luther in the power suit before the new 52. This is going to bring us back to when we were talking about our picks for the list, though, because we're all looking forward to stuff spinning out of this. And, yeah, it's books that we would probably be, be reading anyways, like Paul reading a new Wonder Woman book, John reading a new Flash, me reading a new Aquaman. Like, if they had just announced all those books coming out with new number ones, we'd probably be checking them out anyways. But yeah. I think the fact that they're promising... A combination of something new <laughs> and then something old. Something blue. Something, oh, I was gonna sorry. Say, like, I was I was traveling down that Doctor Who road too. <laughs> oh, I remember him. It, it's it's going home. Again. It is yeah. well welcoming us back. And like I said before, everything that I've read from this past week taking place in this universe has gotten so much more excited for what's coming next. That it's. It's a good time to be a DC fan again, not just because it's something different, but because it's it's more hopeful, which is something that's been missing from those books. Blue Beetle Rebirth number one, August twenty fourth. Ted Cord, Doctor Fate team up to unlock the secrets of Jamie Ray's powers. Jaime, Jaime, Keith Giffen, Scott Collins on him. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I love that they just keep giving Keith Giffen like. He the deserves it. He does. And yeah. it, the book's always good. It just, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it just runs too long or gets away from him with too much crazy. Mm-hmm. But like the Blue Beetle Rebirth, I enjoyed that book. Or not, uh, the, the New 52, um, mm-hmm. Blue Beetle, I thought was really good. Yeah, the, the New 52 Blue Beetle was, was a lot of fun. I mean, I didn't keep on it. And it's nothing against the book. It's just more of those like when, uh, funds get tight, you stick on your core books. And for me, that's not really Blue Beetle. Not to say that it ever won't be or couldn't, but hey, who knows? Yeah. I, I, I would read the crap out of a Ted Cord Amy Ray S book. Uh, and if there's something that we missed uh, in this month's look back that you should think we should have read, let us know. If you have an opinion on these books, let us know. If you want any of these beers, let us know. We won't be able to do anything about it, but you know, we'll we'll let you know. <laughs> we'll let you know. <laughs> we'll let you know. Oh yeah, that kind of does stink that you weren't able to have buy a four pack that you only like one of the beers out of. Yes. <laughs> but I like the beers, just not in this four pack. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, we'll see you next week. <laughs> So in the in the meantime, make sure you rate and review us over on the iTunes. Uh, you can email us at John, Paul, Chris, or contact at bagnaboardcast.com, which I probably should end because I'm spending too much money on that thing. Yeah. And I should just get a Gmail account. And you should call us. Oh, yeah, you should call us over at our phone number, which I logged out of. So it's 716-something-something-something. <laughs> Paul said it earlier. Chris yeah, will put it in the sure. show notes. Maybe. Yeah, because throw it on me. I didn't write it down, so I'm, it's not I'm looking, there. I'm looking for a Google phone. I really am. But, ah. But yeah, so to do that, it. make sure you check out uh, my other show over at parksandrec.com. Um, 
where I talk about Disney stuff with my best friend Janet every week. And John, what's up with your other show? Uh, we haven't been recording because it's just tough for us to get together, but we plan on recording. Uh, our next episode is going to be top ten, uh, our top ten favorite horror movies. Mm. Nice. Top tens are always good. To that one. You should call in with your top ten favorite anything at 716-235-1450. Write it down to give it to Chris to put in the notes. I, I, I just typed it in as he was saying it. So there you go. We're good. We have voicemails, and then we can play them on the show. Mmm. 